In the picturesque countryside of North Yorkshire, a sinister tale lingers, casting a shadow over the charming landscape. An ancient curse tied to a seemingly ordinary object has left a trail of death and despair in its wake. About lighthouses. Well, we know I love them. I want to live in one and I want to die in one. Do you think you could ever be a lighthouse keeper? 100%. What if I told you you were going to disappear? Sounds good. And after this year? Ay, ay, ay. to this episode. For those of you who are checking out What the Actual Left for the first time, hi, my name is Harmony. And for those of you who listen all the time, hello my loves, I'm so sorry I haven't been here for about two weeks. However, to make up for it, during this spooky season, I'm gonna try to release several bonus episodes of spooky and creepy stories for you. Like today, I have two twisted tales for you. First, I want to tell you all about Busby's stoop chair, also known as Dead Man's Chair. This wooden chair has a very vast and very grisly history. The chair history dates all the way back to 1702 when a murderer by the name of Thomas Busby cursed this oak chair, all just before he was hanged in North Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Since his death, the chair has been attributed to a great many deaths. You see, anyone who sat in it has died. Okay, yeah, I know, it's been 300 years, so obviously everyone who sat in it has died, but I don't mean, like, naturally over time, I mean in brutal ways. So brutal, in fact, the chair has been hung up on a wall to make sure that nobody can sit in it ever again, hiding in storage. You're probably wondering, why didn't they just like axe it up and turn it into firewood? I don't know either. We're gonna talk about it though. After that, I wanna tell you another very eerie and disturbing mystery that to this date, over a hundred years later, is still unsolved. You see, on December 15th of 1900, lighthouse keepers James Ducat, Thomas Marshall, and Donald MacArthur would note their last entries on the slate at the Flannan Isle Lighthouse. It was the things that they would write in this slate and the fact that they vanished shortly after that would leave this one of Scotland's biggest mysteries. What happened on the Scottish Isle of Elan Mor? Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, allow me to tell you. Being born and raised in Thirsk, I always knew about the Busby Stoop Chair, the most well-known and most feared of exhibits in the local museum. And I remember as a child hearing of its story 
that all who sat in it have died shortly afterwards, and I was always warned not to touch. What I did not know at the time was that this chair and the strange tale that surrounds it would become regarded as one of the most famous cursed items, not only in the UK, but in the world. How do you imagine a lighthouse keeper's job? Probably like an introvert's paradise. You're alone on a rock in the middle of the sea, looking out at the raging waves and keeping the light on. But lack of people around you has its downside too. No one will know if something happens to you. And that was exactly the case with the keepers of the Flannan Isles Lighthouse. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that objects can be cursed? If you said no, well, let me tell you the story of the Busby stoop chair. Because after you hear it, your answer may be, oh, oh fuck yeah, yeah, yeah again. The story of the dead man's chair begins in 1702 when Thomas Busby was arrested. Actually, no, no, no. It begins roughly just a little bit before. Still set in 1702, Thomas Busby married Elizabeth Audie. They would go on to move into an apartment on the Audie farm. Thomas would become rather close with his father-in-law, Daniel Audie. So close, in fact, the two became con men together. Oh, wow, that's so sweet. Gotta love a good bonding, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, the two would take their cons of coin counterfeiting all the way up to a few other notches in their businesses when they started just really committing fraud across the board. Nothing really matters when you're raking in the Benjamins, am I right? Now, you see, the thing is, Thomas started getting really, really stingy. And finally, he approached his father-in-law and was like, you know what, this is all mine. I, I want all of this. I want to take all of our illegitimate businesses and I'm going to run them and you can just get the fuck out, okay? Well, of course, Daniel was like, um, no. And okay, here's the thing. Thomas was like, all right, you know what? That's fucking fair. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like that you're not going to let me have it all right out from under you for no other reason except for my own selfishness. And Daniel was like, yeah, well, that's just how it goes. It's how the cookie crumbles. And they kind of got into it, but it wasn't too horrible. It was a, it was like a normal, like, no, like fight. And then the straw that broke the camel's back happened. Just... <laughs> It's a doozy, let me tell you. You see, Daniel sat down in Thomas's favorite oak chair. And here's the thing, uh, Thomas Busby wasn't really pissed off about his father-in-law telling him no, he couldn't have all of these like crime businesses that they were running, that he couldn't just take them. What pissed him off was that his father-in-law had the audacity to put his derriere in his favorite chair. He shits with that ass and he had the nerve to put it on his little safe space of a booty cushion. This, I'm not kidding you guys. Sorry. I shouldn't make a joke because a lot of people end up freaking dying over this chair. This just sends him into like such a rage to the point that he, he goes to his apartment that night. You know, the one that his father-in-law lets him live in with his daughter. You know, he's married to his father-in-law's daughter. Obviously, it's his father-in-law, but he's like, he has a cushy life. He really does. And he's drinking and he's just getting more and more mad. Not at all because his father-in-law will not just let him have everything that they've built illegitimately, but because he's set in his fucking chair. That, that was it. That, that done it. He gets 
sloppy drunk and he goes over to his father-in-law's house it's the middle of the night he sneaks in and he goes to his sleeping father-in-law i don't know if he says anything i wasn't there i was definitely not alive it's 1700 something and um well he strangles him just just right there it's just like you know what fuck you you're gonna not sit in a chair ever again bitch yeah, and uh, he doesn't leave the body though. Like, that's not what gets him caught. He actually hides the body. However, his uh, wife, Elizabeth, well, she's suspicious. Her father is nowhere to be found. He's not around. That's unusual. And one thing leads to another. She discovers the truth. And oh, wouldn't you know it? She's not too happy about it. And she tells the authorities. Shock! She's not like, oh, that sounds fantastic. You murdered my dad. Splendid. Happy anniversary to you too, baby. What would you like for dinner? Mutton or mutton? I don't know what they ate in the 1700s, actually. Anyways, not too long after this occurs, Thomas gets arrested and would go on to trial. Of course, he's found guilty of murder of Daniel Audie and is sentenced to execution by hanging. This, by the way, is not a normal hanging. This is going to be a gruesome, brutal, made an example of execution. Let me tell you. However, rumor has it that on the way to his gallows, his certain death, he is allowed one last thing and he has an ale, a beer. Instead of like a juicy steak, he wants to get a little inebriated before he says goodbye to his physical life. As he's sipping this beer, of course, there's an audience. People watched others be executed like they still do today, just not as much as a public once did. He's drinking the beer and he actually says, as it's stated in records, May sudden death come to anyone who dare sit in my chair. Well, you see, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, <clears throat> it certainly did. Thomas would go on to be hanged at the Sand Hutton Crossroads. His body was suspended by chains from a gibbet outside. Maybe that's a gibbet. I'm not positive how to say that word. Anyways, this was all outside of a local inn, and this would be done as a warning to the locals. Like, hey, if you murder somebody, we're gonna murder you ten times harder. They left his decomposing body there until it was nothing but sun-bleached bones. This inn, uh, it still remains there today. In fact, if you didn't guess it or figure it out, it's called the Busby Stoop Inn. This is the exact area where Thomas Busby was executed. And it is said that he still is haunting that inn all these centuries later. And maybe even still guarding his chair because that's exactly where his chair remains today. I'm sure you're curious though about all the deaths that would come to follow. Don't worry, we're about to get there. But is there any truth to this strange tale? Is the Busby Stoop chair truly cursed? And what would happen if you took a seat within it? This brings us to 1894. Chimney Sweep would go to the pub with his friends, you know, a night out, hang with some guys, just chill, have a few pints, just talk about life. He, while there, decided, I'm gonna sit in Busby's chair. Yeah, really wanted to show his friends he ain't afraid of this curse. We get real ballsy as humans when we get some uh, liquid courage, apparently, turning into real dumbasses. Despite many, many warning him not to sit in the chair, he still did it. 
The next day, his friend realized that he didn't make it home after they had gone out. What happened? Where did he go? Well, they went out looking and eventually his body was discovered. Just take a guess where it was. Hanging from the exact same spot that Thomas Busby's body had been all those decades before. For years, it was believed that he had been possibly a victim of suicide. Or maybe you know, one of his friends had actually like robbed him and killed him. You know, back in the day, it was a lot easier to get away with murder, so who really knows what happened? However, there are a handful of people that believe maybe <laughs> the ghost of Thomas Busby did it himself. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, right? <laughs> or is it? Okay, let's fast forward a little bit. You see, during World War II, there were a few Canadian airmen who was stationed at Skipton on Swale, which is located near the location of Busby's death. I probably said that wrong, by the way, but you know what? I am really sorry about that. Now, these Canadian airmen went to a pub, which is, you know, you guessed it, the Busby's Two Bins pub, one evening. They decided as well that they were going to take a little brave risk and sit in the haunted cursed oak chair. Because of course, why the fuck not, right? <laughs> well, sometime after the duo did this, the men were sent on a bombing mission across Europe. Now, okay, side effect of being in a war is absolute and sudden death. You could be suddenly just, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's a risk of the job. And that's the thing. These two men were killed, but they were the only two in their brigade that were. Okay, okay, I get it. You're probably like, all right, Harmony, these are older stories. Like, I don't... So, that's fine, that's fine. I got another one for you, actually. One that was a lot more recent. The setting is 1967. Two RAF pilots decide, you know what? We're gonna sit in Busby's chair. Fuck it, we're not afraid. Thomas, come for us, bad boy. We're ready. Well, they do their little dastardly business and they sit in the chair. Well, after they leave the pub that night, not afraid, nothing to worry about. They're absolutely fine. Wouldn't you know, they end up wrapping their car around a tree. Yeah, this is probably because of the alcohol, but I mean, it still fits the story, doesn't it? Side note, please don't drive drunk, thank you. Now, both of the men did end up dying right there at the scene. But that's not it either, there's still more death. A cleaning lady who accidentally bumped into the chair, not even kidding, just like whoop! Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Not too shortly after, ended up dying from a brain tumor. Okay, what? Because <laughs> she was fine before it. And suddenly she's not, she's dead. There are even more stories of people that touched the chair, accidentally, you know, just knocked into it. They snuck behind some lines, sat on it, tried to get a little bit of a taste of it. And the stories would pour in about people dying days after in a sudden biking accident, a motorcycle collision, or just something sudden and shocking. In the 1970s, a beer delivery man who discovered the antique wooden chair in the cellar decided, oh, this is a really nice chair, I want to sit in it. And he did, he did. When he drove away from the pub though, the delivery man died just a few miles away. Why? Because he crashed into a tree. Probably the same tree that the other man crashed into. Has anyone checked on the tree? Like, is it in a bad area? Maybe like a blind bin or something? Okay, now a few years after this unfortunate incident, two builders were dared to sit in the stoop chair. One of the builders ended up falling through the roof of the building to the concrete below. 
I mean, obviously, <laughs> you didn't walk away from that one. This would be the final straw for the pub's landlord. This brings us all the way to 1978. Tony Earnshaw, who's the landlord and the owner of the chair, decided to donate his little haunted artifact. He donated it to the Thirsk Museum, which was located just a few miles from Sand Hutton Crossroads. Yep, right there where Mr. Thomas Busby died. However, here's the thing. He had a stipulation when he gave it to the Thirsk Museum. The chair must be displayed in the corner of the room. It must be purposely hung high because he didn't want anyone else to sit in the chair ever again, even possibly accidentally. No possibility that a single person can fit, even including maintenance staff if they should even possibly be tempted. Since the chair has been hung and put away, it has not taken the lives of a single another person. Is the legend true? It's worth noting that Thomas Busby was not a practitioner of witchcraft or black magic, and it's unclear if he even had knowledge of such things at all. Still, some believe that anybody can throw a curse, and that a curse uttered on one's deathbed is the most powerful of all. Before we move along to the next story, I do want to share with you a tidbit of information that makes this story even more interesting. You see, there was a furniture historian who looked at the chair and tried to date when it was actually created. They discovered that the chair was not made of common 18th century polates. Instead, the chair had been made by a machine-turned-spindle, meaning it couldn't have been made in the 1700s. The historian did try to determine when the chair had been created, though. They determined that it was somewhere in the time of 1840. Which, if you're mathing at all, is about 138 years after Thomas Busby had been executed. Oh, well, that kind of puts a wretch in the story, doesn't it? Well, Thomas Busby was a real person, and he did go to trial, and he was found guilty, and he was executed in a very brutal way for the murder of his father-in-law, who were two con men. You know, they were doing very bad things in that town. However, was the tale of the chair true? I don't know if the tale of the chair is true or not, but I do know the deaths that are tied to the chair are. Or are they? <laughs> Who really knows? Is the stoop chair an elaborate hoax? Or is it genuinely haunted? Will this bit of oak really take the life of anyone who shall put their dairy air in its airy chair? Get it? Because it's it's hang up in the in the air. No, okay. Anyways, if you would like to test the theory out, go on up to the Thirsk Museum. M museum. Go to the Thirsk Museum for yourself and try it out. <laughs> yeah, I could have redone that one, but uh, yeah, you could go test this out for yourself. Go up to the Thirsk Museum. Say, hey, you know, you mind if I touch it, grab it, sit on it? I just want to see if I'm gonna die. Go ahead. Be brave. Let me know how it goes for you. I'm gonna be sitting my happy ass safely at home. Like right now, where I'm going to be sitting as I tell you our next story. If this one left you all kinds of, what the fuck, wait till you hear the next one, because this one is really disturbing. Hey, do you like the content that I create for you? Super. 
If you want to support me and those who help make it possible for me to continue to create this content, then head on over to doomandgroom.net. Doom and Groom is a metal branded personal care company based out of Denver, Colorado. They were founded at the end of 2019 by good friends of mine. Their aim is to be the most metal way to take care of yourself and your skin. They offer top quality ingredients and amazing scents that are exactly what you need to go forth and summon the doom. With tattoo bombs, body butters, beard oils, and of course, incredible sprays that will leave your mouth watering. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and see everything they have for your skin and hair needs. My favorite personally is succubus followed closely by Demise. Succubus is sort of a warm vanilla, really, really delicious desserty smell. And then Demise is a wonderful coffee. Oh my god, it's so good. If you want to go check it out and even splurge and buy yourself a little something, I can get you a great discount. Simply use my code HARMONYDOOM and unlock a very special discount for your purchase. This code works every single time that you buy, not just the first. So head on over to doomandgroom.net and treat your hair and skin to the very best. And hey, you and I can smell practically the exact same if you use succubus or demise. <laughs> Thanks again to Doom and Groom and Jonathan Demon for all of these amazing products. So I don't know what you're waiting for, but go head on over to doomandgroom.net, use Harmony Doom for a very special discount and treat yourself. The Flannan Isles, also known as the Seven Hunters, is a group of uninhabited rocky islands off the western coast of Scotland. The mysterious islands allegedly had a profound effect on sheep, and shepherds would sail their flocks to the islands to graze. Sheep who dined on the grasses of the Flannan Isles were said to give birth to twins or recover from illness. Despite its positive effect on sheep, legend of a spirit haunting the islands kept any shepherd from staying overnight. That can't be real. Sheep magic? What are you talking about? Huh? Well, uh, apparently it was not so much the sheep that were magical, it was the grass. Magic grass for I mean, double the, sheep? For, for twin sheep or for uh, a sheep with a cold. Okay. James Ducat, Thomas Marshall, and William MacArthur. These three men would go down in history. They were manning an outpost on Eileen Moor, one of the Flannan Isles located in northern Scotland. Only a year earlier, a sturdy and sound lighthouse had been built in 1899. It's not exactly certain when, but the three men did disappear sometime between December 15th and December 26th. During this time, a storm had passed across the North Atlantic. However, the dates are what is spotty and makes this mystery so eerie. Finally, near the end of December, a ship by the name of Hesperus was sent out to investigate. The ship was sent out because just before, a steamer had gone by the island and noticed that the lighthouse was not lit. First of all, this is unusual. Second, dangerous. This is not good. Lighthouses are there to make sure boats, well, they don't hit the island so they didn't want any boats to have any damage or anything to go on, and they alerted the lighthouse board, which then sent out a vessel to make sure everything's okay. On December 26th of 1900, the Hesperus would dock at the bottom of the steep cliff. 
alone, a relief lighthouse keeper by the name of Joseph Moore climbed the over 160 steps up to the very top of the lighthouse. When he opened the door, he discovered a scene that was frozen in time. The clock on the wall, the only one on the island, had stood completely still. Also there in the kitchen, the table was set, ready for a dinner for three, to come and join, eat, and laugh, only the meal would never be had. One notable thing was that a chair had been toppled over. However, the only living creature on the island seemed to be a canary in its cage, right there in the kitchen. Joseph Moore would go on record stating, I did not take time to search further, for I only too well knew something serious had occurred. So I darted out and made it back to the landing. Back at the Hesperus, Moore reported what he had found. This is when they decided to send two more sailors to join him in the search for the missing men. But from here, the investigation would only deepen and the Flannan Isle mystery would surely begin. Do you have a body? Do you like to cover that body? Because, well, you kind of have to according to society's rules. Well, allow me to show you where you can go to buy some of the coolest clothes. If you head on over to thedriveclothing.com backslash oh hey it's harmony, you will be greeted by some of my favorite clothes and accessories out there. For a good while, I have been closely working and affiliated with The Drive Clothing Company. Even before I began working with them, I've supported this company for quite some time. I love them and what they stand for. Head on over to thedrive.com backslash oh hey it's harmony for a very special discount that you will unlock with my link. You will be greeted by some of the cutest clothes, most incredible accessories, and lowest prices. In fact, right now they are running a special. Our $100 mystery boxes are half off, only $50. Who knows what you could get? When I tell you I am obsessed, I am obsessed. And I promise that you will be too. You will vibe with the drive. And in no time, you too will become a driven one. So head on over to thedriveclothing.com backslash oh hey it's harmony and check out everything they have to offer and hey get yourself a little something and get that lovely little discount that comes with my link all right let's get back to the show there were always three men on the island tending the lighthouse at one time good to have pals it's nice to have company when you're stranded on an island well i guess if you don't have any fellas around you got those sheeps anyway <laughs> just nice to not die alone you know I mean, we're talking, but this is unsolved, so things aren't, things aren't going to happen that, that are great. When the searchers arrived inside the lighthouse, they discovered an oil skin, a protection against, you know, rough northern weather, kind of like a jacket, a coat. But this discovery meant that one of the lighthouse keepers must have run from the lighthouse during the storm without this. What storm? Oh, don't worry, we're gonna get there. Now, on the western side of the isle, the storm's power left its mark. Iron railings had bent in the wind. A railway track was torn away from the concrete, and an enormous boulder had rolled out of place. 
A supply box was lying on the ground smashed. All of its contents had actually strewn across the rocky island. But there was still no sign of the three men. Captain Harvey of the Hesperus actually would go in his log stating, quote, poor fellows. They must have blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Nothing appears touched at the east landing to show that they were taken from there. On the west side, it is somewhat different. We had an old box halfway up the railway for holding west landing mooring ropes and tackle and it is gone. Was the west landing where the men died? Now, there is nothing to give us an indication that that is where the poor men lost their lives. It seemed as though the captain was writing some sort of warning. From here, investigations would deepen, but the rumor mill would begin to turn. Some bad, some bad buoy business. Seems kind of lazy, no? It's 110 feet up in the air and you're just like, yeah, it must have been the ocean that took that bad boy out. 110 feet up in the air? Yes. I don't get that. What? Huh? I guess you could have like a big calabunga wave, but uh... I'm not buying that. Then what are you buying? Oh! What's on the shelf? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it's some object work. Yeah, yeah, go for it. What it is that? It looks like a Gatorade? A, no, it looks like a can of alien juice. Is that where this is fucking going? Is that where this is going? I, it doesn't have anything else on it. It just says alien juice. Oh. In the official report, because although this mystery is unsolved, there's a report. It is stated that what happened on the Flannan Isle is just an accident. Two men must have traveled to the West Landing around dinner time on December 15th. They were hoping to secure ropes and the supply box. However, while there, they encountered some rather rough seas and weather. An extra large sea had rushed up on the face of the rock. The report, the official report, is completely speculative, adding, Quote, the water had gone above them, coming down with immense force and sweeping them completely away. Excuse me, but um, how can you put this in an official report with zero evidence? Of course, because this official report was all speculation itself, it only added to all of the speculation, the rumors, and the theories of what happened on Flannan Isles. People begin coming up with their own ideas. It must have been a sea serpent. The Serpent of Alain Moore. It obviously devoured the men. Others claim that maybe the creepers tried to escape the island, maybe the weather was bad and they just didn't, they didn't survive. Another theory claimed that a fight had broken out amongst the men. One of the keepers probably killed the other. Two were left to cover up the crime and while trying to clean up the scene, they ended up being swept out to sea somehow. Honestly, there's so many theories on who could have killed who, if they were hiding the crime, maybe someone walked in, well, who knows? We really have no idea of what happened to the men because to this day, they've never been found. Of course, in the years following this disappearance and occurrence, the rumors would continue. Stories of a logbook containing suspicious entries began to surface. You remember the one I told you about? There was logs of a storm that was coming and how bad it had ravaged this little island. The damage that occurred, but no worries, everything was okay in the end. The men were fine and they were making do. In fact, the final entry was December 15th. After the storm, the very storm it seems, the one that kept the vessel from making its way out to the island to check on the men who hadn't lit the light, litten? hadn't lit the lighthouse in 
the time, it seemed. What storm was in the log? Was it the same that kept the vessel to make its way out there? We don't know. In fact, it's not even positive if this log is real. Because in this Flannan Isle mystery, the log, the one that kept track of the keepers of the lighthouse, seems to also be nothing but a mystery itself. For officially, it doesn't exist. Which means the official log of the lighthouse is just MIA, nowhere to be had or found. So I'm going to leave you with the question, what happened in the Flannan Isles? It seems as though this mystery will remain just that. Because honestly, I have no idea what could have gone down. I've read so much into it, and though this is interesting, it makes almost no sense. Did a storm come through and swallow the men up because the sea got so high? And okay, if that's the case, fantastic. How did they write in the log after? Did the log actually exist? I mean, it had to. It's in certain documents. It's confusing, but that's why it's a mystery. One that to this day remains unsolved, even with an official report. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Flannan Isle mystery. twisted tales. Do you believe that there is any holding in the Busby Stoop chair? Although a furniture historian can date the chair back to the mid-1800s, meaning there's no way it was Thomas Busby's, right? No way it's the chair that he killed his father-in-law over, right? Yeah, you know, would you be willing to stake your booty on it? Would you be willing to sit in the chair? and see. Yeah, no, me either. <laughs> what about, what about the whole Flannan Isles? What do you think happened to the lighthouse keepers? Did a storm come along and ravage the island and take the men? Or did something more sinister happen? Did a fight break out and they start killing each other? What, what, what happened? These are two stories that we'll never really know or understand the truth. And that is what makes them so interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have anything you want to share with me, a story, a mystery, a murder, anything, send it my way. You can email the show at whatstheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. As for this episode, for now, that's all I got for you. Thanks for sticking around and listening all the way to the end. Don't forget to please check out my sponsors, and while you're at it, treat yourself. 
Getting yourself a little something helps What the Actual F and allows me to keep making more episodes for you. Anyways, I love you guys and please stay safe because I don't ever want to have to tell a story about you. At least not one of the bad ones I tell on this show, you know what I mean? Alright, I will talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F where we're gonna get even more spooky. Until then, I love you and sweet screams. Bye.